0: Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service, where we report the world,
1: however difficult the issue, however hard to reach. Podcasts from the BBC World Service are supported by advertising.
0: In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless. Hello, everyone. It's
2: Takuyi here.
1: And I'm Gabby.
2: And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything.
0: In 1969, a plan to show support for an anti racism protest turned the lives of 14 promising black student athletes upside down. Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story. Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
2: Hello, I'm James Reynolds. Welcome to the documentary from the BBC World Service. In BBC OS Conversations, we bring people together to share their experiences. This time, we catch up with survivors of last year's earthquake in Turkey and Syria. While the news agenda moves on pretty quickly, for people caught in a disaster, the physical, the psychological effects can last a lifetime. We get back in touch with a Syrian family who lost the people they love, as well as their homes. Harun, a teacher, tells us how he has come to terms with the deaths of students and colleagues.
3: We should have to live Without the people that we lost in earthquake, we can just wish them in the heaven.
2: This time last year, and it doesn't seem that long ago, uh, we were reporting on the aftermath of the earthquake that struck southeastern Turkey near the border with Syria on the 6th of February. The haunting images showed Entire neighbourhoods flattened to towering piles of concrete. And amid days of terrifying aftershocks, there was an effort to reach survivors buried under the debris. And each day those casualty figures went up and up. It's now thought that at least 55,000 people lost their lives. And that figure on its own is hard to comprehend, isn't it? It's only when you break it down to individual stories that the scale of what happened really becomes easier to understand. Uh, We shared the stories of just a few of the people who were affected by the disaster. And we decided now a year on to reunite with one particular family whose situation really touched so many people. Let me reintroduce you then to Iman Karim and their seven-year-old daughter, Neda. They had fled the war in Syria to find a safer life across the border in southern Turkey. But then the earthquake struck. They lost family, friends and their home. Here's a short extract from a conversation we recorded with them a year ago. Uh, when we first spoke to them, Karim was sleeping rough, searching for somewhere for the family to live, whilst Iman and Neda were sharing a crowded tent.
4: Actually, we are uh, yeah, around 20 people. Uh, I still cannot sleep at night. Children are crying. They are uh, having cold, coughing all the time. It's hard time for us at night. It's, it's hard. The tent always shaking by the storm. We are afraid it's going to fly. <laughs> it's, it's terrifying. We are afraid the most about the kids. They are sick right now. The flu is very hard. We don't have medicine. We don't know how to take care about our children. It's terrifying. It's shaking. It's cold. It's so, so cold.
5: I'm looking now for, for a proper, proper place to live right now. But I'm really so stressed right now. I'm lost. I can't talk even in Arabic after what we saw in this, in this period in the last month. No, I can't imagine about anything about my future.
2: Karim, Iman and Neda speaking to us uh, just about a year ago. Well, a few days ago, we called the family again to see how they've been getting on with their lives. I should tell you that uh, when we record a conversation, we often like to have a bit of a chat beforehand just to make our guests feel comfortable, to make sure that the lines are working. Those sections are not normally something uh, we would broadcast. But uh, on this occasion, we thought that you would like to hear how the call began. Hello.
6: Hello. Hello, Mr Jones. Uh,
2: Hello. I missed you. I've been missing you. I missed you too. I missed you because I haven't spoken to you in a year. I remember you. You were telling you me about... You remember me? I remember you because you told me about your chicken, the chicken that you saw in the yard. Me too. But you've got something better than a chicken now. You've got a baby brother.
6: Yeah.
2: What's his I name? I love him
6: so much. You love him? Yeah.
2: Omar. His name is Omar?
6: He's so cute. His eyes is blue. He has big cheeks. <laughs> <laughs> He's the chubby
2: chub chub. Do you like holding him, Nada?
6: Yeah,
2: yeah, I like him so much. Of course you do. And it's amazing to hear from you again. And to your mum and dad, Karim and Iman, also on the phone. Hello to you both.
4: Hello, Ms. James.
2: How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having us uh, the second time. It's our absolute pleasure. And your family thank has you. grown so much since last year. And Karim and Iman, <laughs> what, what has that been yes, like was- that year for you?
4: Actually, with the arrival of the first anniversary of the earthquake in Turkey, uh, that painful disaster is still stuck in our memories. We have lost people dear to our hearts. We have lost our memories. And we have lost our sense of security. And nightmares still haunting us, uh, actually, especially Nada. I'm so sorry to hear that. Nada, can you uh, tell Mr. Jens about your nightmare? Scary things.
6: Scary things.
2: Do you wake up.
6: The earthquake, everything uh, are scary in my dreams. Sometimes I have good dreams, sometimes uh, I have bad dreams. I have uh, uh, a dream about my friend Amal. She died, and she died from the earthquake. I'm so sad about her. And I have a friend moved to Canada. I miss her so much she left her toys with me and and I'm playing with her toys I remember remember her because of how we play together do things together I love her so much but she moved to Canada and I miss him so miss her so much and her name is Selva oh. Selva
2: What are the toys that she left you to play with?
6: Many Barbie dolls, every toy in the market.
2: Let's bring in your dad, Karim, now. He's,
5: He's here. here. Yay! Thank you to have us again.
2: Congratulations on the birth to you and Imran. of your, your, your a lot. son Omar. And how has the year been for you?
5: Actually, it's hard for us. I can't find a decent job due to work permit the uh, regulation here in Turkey. If I have to work in anywhere, I have to get a permission. Unfortunately, preference is often uh, given to Turkish nationals or Syrians who have obtained Turkish citizenship. I'm experiencing knee pain that hinders me from engaging in physical demanding work. I'm hopeless right now. Uh, I can't express my feeling. The only hope that I got is my newborn son. It's uh, adding joy to our house. Otherwise, it's adding responsibility, more responsibility for me to find a better life for him.
2: When you look at your young kids, Nader, who we always love speaking to, and, and Omar, who we'll hopefully speak to in the future, what do you want for them both?
5: all what am asking is to uh, find a better future for him i don't know what uh, i don't know what to do i'm really struggling right now i i don't know really i'm speechless and it feels as uh, though we are merely surviving rather than truly living
2: I, i'm really sorry Karen, for how tough things it's have okay, been
5: it's okay we, and, and how tough we, things we, are and Let's
2: bring back in Iman. How are things with you?
4: It's been quite a challenging year. I work despite the challenges of being pregnant, and we are currently residing in a slightly damaged building from the earthquake. As finding uh, alternative house housing has been difficult, the constant fear of another earthquake makes daily life actually stressful. We are currently uh, four families living in one house which, despite its its challenges, is a better option, actually, than tents for the children's education. It's been so difficult to put NEDA in uh, in a school, actually. However, uh, yeah, updating to the situation is difficult, especially as we are still uh, in the earthquake-affected area. We hope for a glimmer of hope soon, because we are exhausted from the event's responsibilities and the struggle to secure essential living necessities, actually.
2: Do you have the ability to get the right food for Nada? And obviously, in, in when your boy Omar becomes a bit older, he'll need proper food as well.
4: Actually, I am uh, blessed to, to get uh, a job, uh, even though uh, it's, they pay me the lowest payment. But uh, it's uh, enough for our rental and get food to our children. We can manage it uh, in a way or another. I stopped working for three months. I did struggle from uh, a hard uh, birth to my child. Uh, It affected my health. Uh, Now I'm taking some rest. I don't know what the future will be. Uh, I hope we'll be better.
2: And returning to to Nada, the big sister now. Nada, Nada, did you get the chance to make new friends?
6: No, I don't have her. Uh, I had some friends, but but they they are gone. I'm th- so scared from the earthquake. I'm uh, uh, I'm so cold. Uh, I'm scared every time I'm saying to mom, mom, uh, the floor is shaking. it's, it's okay. There's nothing.
2: I'm going to ask your mom, Iman. That's very normal for anyone who's experienced an earthquake to continue worrying about it afterwards or to feel that things are moving. What what do you say when Nada says that to you?
4: Yeah, her psychosis is so affected uh, to the earthquake. Uh, I'm really stressful talking about this. Nada uh, still seeing nightmares, still struggling from that. Uh, me in person was still uh, have the feeling of the earth shaking, but we can't do anything about this feeling. We I hope by time uh, it's going to gone. I always try to convince Neda uh, it's not going to happen uh, another time. It's gone, it's gone, but it's hard, actually.
2: Neda, you're now a big sister, of course. Does your little brother, does he make you laugh? Always he
6: makes me laugh. He holds my hand, oh. He on my, my finger. He's so cute. He's a chubby chub chub.
2: Neda and her parents, Iman and Karim, speaking to us about the difficulties they face and their very real hopes for the future. And as I said, we hope to keep in touch with them. How could we not? And also, maybe one day in the future, speak to little Omar as well. I'm James Reynolds and this is BBC OS Conversations on the Earthquake in Turkey and Syria one year on from the BBC. World Service.
0: Who were the Black 14?
2: Fourteen football players who were at University of Wyoming in 1969.
0: Fourteen student-athletes who paid a heavy price for planning a show of support against racism.
1: It hit the campus like wildfire. Some of them was getting death threats.
0: Amazing Sports Stories from the BBC World Service tells their story.
7: It was a complete surprise that he kicked us off the
2: team.
0: What are we going to do with our lives? How are we going to get our degrees? Search for Amazing Sports Stories wherever you get your BBC podcasts. In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com slash fearless.
2: Are you interested in the parts of history that remain a mystery? Do you want to learn more about the historical myths and misconceptions used to prop up false belief today? I'm Nathaniel Lloyd. In my podcast, Historical Blindness, I delve into all of these topics, sharing puzzling tales from the past, and examining hoaxes, conspiracy theories, and misremembered events that provide insight into modern politics and religion. New episodes every two weeks. Find Historical Blindness on most podcast players and platforms. We've also been receiving messages from listeners in the region reflecting on the past year since the earthquake struck and its lasting impact on their lives. Let's hear two of them.
8: Hi, I'm Rona Iwakhan. When the earthquake took place, I did not know what to do while hearing the sound of cracking coming from the building. I was sure that the building was collapsing and I had nothing to do but to sit down next to my parents and wait for the building to collapse. Fortunately, I was lucky. I was part of the volunteers who ran a storeroom to provide spatial hygiene and dietary needs of children and women in Diyarbakır in collaboration with the crisis desk. And then I was part of more of a mobile effort that regularly took AIDS to Adiaman where uh, the supply chain was completely abolished uh, due to the earthquake. I came back to Baltimore after three months. I had difficulty to readjust. I was completely alienated to my life in here. I completely lost the meaning of everything that I was doing here. While knowing that how many lives that we lost, remembering the cities that I walked through, which turned into a rubble overnight. My life has been changed in so many ways, which I don't have words to explain yet. I'm still struggling to sleep sometimes. I'm very attentive to any ground shake that I'm feeling around me due to even sometimes a heavy
1: car passing by. My name is Yordan Sumno. Last year we survived the worst day of our lives. The earthquake was extremely tragic and traumatic. One of the worst things in life that someone could ever experience. We stayed in our car for three days with my one-year-old daughter, and my husband, with limited supply for food and water. I lost my auntie, my uncle, my 24-year-old cousin. We stayed in our village home, which was safe to live in. We were lucky because we had the place to escape to, but our minds were always on the people we lost. Our house had uh, minor damage, so we renovated it over time and moved again. At the moment, those people whose houses are heavily damaged stay in container houses. Container cities have been built in every region of Iskander and, and Turkey that have been affected by the earthquake most of the time the demolition of the heavily damaged building continues in our neighborhoods and all over Iskenderan this has become our new normal as new city is being built again we are still feeling devastated and very sad trying to get used to our new normal earthquake is a truth that will be always part of our lives Therefore, from now on, building apartments and living spaces according to rules and construction regulations is extremely important, since I believe that was the main reason why we lost so many lives, not the earthquake itself.
2: Our thanks to Rone and Yurdanus for their messages. And as you just heard, many people in Turkey continue to question the safety standards of buildings that collapsed in the earthquake. It's now become clear that scores of lives could have been saved if building regulations had been observed. With thousands still living in temporary accommodation, a major rebuilding effort is underway in the country. And that's an effort that involves one of our next guests. We brought together Harun, who's an English teacher in southern Turkey, and Bilal, who lives in the east of the country. His business was destroyed last year. I spoke to them from the busy newsroom during our daily live OS show, our home ground, and began by asking them both how life had changed for them over the past 12 months.
3: Everything is okay here. There is no accommodation problems, no school problems, no food, no water problems. We have just one problem. It's that we lost many people here. Our colleagues, our students, our friends, our relatives. We are sorry for them.
7: We miss them a lot. Well, actually, I can fairly say we have completely recovered. It's just the fear and psychological effects that still continues. We are still expecting another earthquake, and everybody is trying to follow the news because there are there are many things that uh, another earthquake might hit us.
2: Does that mean that you're always, always, Bilal, on the alert in case the room starts shaking?
7: Definitely. We've got everything uh, settled, actually. In our cars, we have uh, emergency equipment, food, and at the same time, where we live, we're always ready to take position in case there is any uh, problem.
3: Yeah, just in case we have a red bag. For the earthquake and our mobile phones are full charged. Oil is okay in our cars, and we are ready for everything.
2: Harun, what we do we have to be ready? What do you have in your bag? In my bag there
3: are two bottles of water, Coca-Cola, and some uh, medical things: a torch, a match, some biscuit how We do, have to be ready.
2: Bilal, tell us how your life is on a day-to-day basis at the moment. What, what do you do all day and, and how much is the impact of last year's earthquake a part of that?
7: All right, so I go to work early in the morning at 8 o'clock and I finish rather late and there is nothing different. I go about my usual business. Just the, a little bit difference, I would say, is it has to do with the construction sector so we can vividly see constructions around and... The employment rate has changed a little bit. That a lot of laborers been hired.
2: And Harun, as an English teacher, you're carrying on your lessons at the moment. How are your pupils?
3: I go to school every day on weekdays. We work much harder than last year. And the, the, at school with my students, we talk about the students we lost last year. The students, I think. Uh, has gotten used to the situation. Also the government sent many psychologists here, many helpers to give support to students and the teachers and the adults. We just talk about the loss, lost lives.
2: What do you say in those conversations?
3: I say my students that uh, unfortunately we lost many people in that earthquake. Maybe we could have done something better but in the next years i tell them that you should be good at your lessons your jobs we all together should be ready for the earthquakes so we should work we should study harder harder than at any time we should have to live without the people that we lost in earthquake we can just wish them in the heaven
2: how difficult is it to live without the people you lost?
3: At the first months, especially in March, it was very difficult for me because uh, in my school I lost two students of mine. When I I see my school building, I will remember them, and uh, also a colleague of mine has suicide him after. He lost, he had lost his wife and his children. It was very difficult for me. At the first few weeks, I had difficulty in speaking. I had difficulty in eating and sleeping, but thanks to God with a few therapies, I got used to live with this situation.
7: Yeah, I remember uh, vividly that we had to stay in the mosque for quite a long time. It was crowded, there were lots of children, it was very difficult for us to find food, only uh, bread we could find in the bakery. Most of the supermarkets were shut down. We were trying to sleep inside the mosque, but we didn't have blankets. It was uh, absolutely difficult. And a few hours later, we tried to go back home, but the road work absolutely crowded with cars and everything just kind of stopped because everybody was trying to get away but there were thousands of cars so it was impossible for anyone to get anywhere so it was absolutely a difficult moment for all of us
2: Bilal, you've talked about always being alert having your bags packed, being ready do you think that there will be a day in which you can just live normally without worrying? Well, I think uh, the day should be
7: sooner (laughs) for everybody's sake and I think it's not uh, very complicated stuff. It has to do with the buildings. And there are lots of work being done now. Most of the buildings that seem a little bit fragile has been replaced. And still lots of constructions is going on. As soon as they are done, and we have more lots of new technologies actually that protects people against the earthquake or that minimise actually the effects um, available in the world. So I think it's not something very difficult or complicated. What is important is to just get what is to be done right on the right time and we everybody can just live safely.
2: Bilal and Harun, our thanks to them and to all of our guests this week. As many people continue to recover from the earthquake, we wish them all the best for the future. And Turkey is a country I know pretty well. I was based there as a BBC correspondent for a couple of years, more than a decade ago, and I spent so many months in the south of the country during the peak of the Syrian civil war, speaking to people, getting to know the rhythms of life in that region. Those rhythms have now been destroyed and so many of the people that I spoke to then will have had their lives overturned. I'm James Reynolds. You've been listening to the documentary from the BBC World Service.
0: In a world where change is constant, it pays to look beyond your borders. The Financial Times offers a global perspective to give you a deeper understanding of international markets and emerging trends. Broaden your horizons and widen your influence. Fearlessly Pink. The Financial Times. Read more at ft.com fearless. Nanu, zwei noch nie dagewesene edle Geschöpfe.
2: Jetzt müssen wir nur den richtigen Moment abwarten.
0: Willkommen bei McDonalds. Ihre Bestellung bitte?
2: Probier jetzt den Hamburger Real Barbecue Bacon und den Hamburger Real Smoky. Nur bei McDonalds.
5: In allen teilnehmenden Restaurants nicht zu unseren Frühstückszeiten.